0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: hello and welcome to la liga lowdown it's our match day 35 recap podcast we're very nearly end near the end of the season and so much has been decided but there is still lots left to be determined i'm your host matt clark i'm joined by rory barlow lovely to see you rory how are you yeah, I'm very well, Matt. I'm
2: feeling some. I, I was very sort of re-energized by that Madrid derby. I have to say, I, I quite enjoyed it, not having too much of a, too, too much pressure on Barcelona <laughs> based on the results. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm feeling quite quite happy and uh, quite enthusiastic about La Liga this week. How are you doing, Matt?
1: Yeah, very well. Um, as we saw, obviously last week Real Madrid were crowned champions, and they had that incredible comeback in midweek to qualify for the Champions League final since our last pod so congratulations to them for that and uh, yeah we turn our attention to La Liga for the uh, 35th round of matches. A full round, there's no Monday night game this time because there is a midweek round coming up Um, so yeah plenty to get through tonight but we will endeavour to do so and we will start in Madrid for that derby. Atleti took it 1-0 with the Yannick Carrasco penalty Sounds like it was controversial, we'll get to that perhaps, Rory, but uh, what were your overall takes on the game? Well, to be honest, um, I'll, I'll deal with that straight away. I don't think it was a penalty,
2: he was already on his way down and if his leg isn't at a bizarre angle then the echo doesn't trip, step on it. The, the actual step, which is the bit that the referee analyses, is not what causes Cunha to go down and it's not, not foul in my view. Um, but overall, I do think Atleti deserved it, they spurned uh, an array of chances here, it was pretty incredible, it was as if as if Diego Simeone couldn't have like a comfortable Madrid derby victory, so they made him suffer, um, I thought Real Madrid were probably almost good for a goal as well, um, but overall Atleti were a better side, I think they're to a degree fortunate that Karim Benzema wasn't on the park, because if he had been I think that would have made a big difference but you have to take your hat off to Atletico Madrid because they've been in the doldrums they've been really really struggling in in recent weeks to to get results to score goals and they came up with a big result which almost secures Champions League qualification for them now
1: yes absolutely a heavily rotated 11 from Carlo Ancelotti um Benzema wasn't there Modric wasn't there plenty of absentees but um yeah, it was Aleti who took the game to them. And as you say, after a run of six games where they'd only scored twice, both of them from Yannick Carrasco, and one of those a penalty, it felt like this game they needed to really come out and take the initiative. And, and they did so, but um, through a couple of you know wasted chances, they hit the post too. It, it, it had you feeling like, Madrid are really going to equalise here, aren't they, again. Um, but it didn't come to pass. Uh, Aleti got the win. They are now six points clear of Betis in fifth and that means that uh, one more win will do it for them, uh, courtesy of the head-to-head record. And if Betis lose at Nistaya on Tuesday night, then both Sevilla and Atleti will qualify for the Champions League without even playing again. So it's almost done and dusted. Um, we'll come on to uh, to Betis in a moment because we will speak to Román d'Arquet, who gets the Barcelona perspective as they qualify for the Champions League. But let's now turn to uh, the Sevilla game. They are facing Villarreal, both sides of course in, in not the greatest of form, um, VRL trying to chase down Real Sociedad in sixth. They are currently in seventh, which is a Europa League conference spot. But of course, having just been eliminated in the Champions League, they uh, it will feel bittersweet. Whatever happens for them, uh, it finished one one at La Ceramica. How on earth did Sevilla come away with the point? That's that's an incredible question and not one that I have a
2: have an answer for really. Villarreal, the, the entire narrative of this game was that Villarreal were going to be hungover from, from their midweek efforts, that Liverpool would have taken it out of them, but they came out the blocks really pretty fast, and, and throughout the whole sort of game, they were the ones taking the game to Sevilla. Chul Koundé came out after the match and said that we were trying to press, but we just couldn't. They dominated us, um, and and yeah, Villarreal looked like the team that had had a week's rest. Sevilla looked like they were kind of on the ropes, both mentally and physically, um, Yasin Bono was was pretty incredible in goal for them, they they did get some fortune in the fact that Day headed into his own net before he kind of got the last 96th minute equaliser, um, but he headed into his own net, goal disallowed for Bouladia's offside, which was was rightly so, they were unfortunate for Ereal not to get a penalty as well on Etienne Capoue in my view, but yeah, credit to Umani Emery almost for setting up his team this well, I thought he really got the better of Ulan Lopetegui, and, and did pretty much everything that he could do, but to a certain extent, you just need your players to A, put the ball in the back of the net, and B, hold out. They scored with three minutes to go, three, four minutes to go, and just couldn't hold out. It was a, a late corner from which Villarreal conceded, and all in all, this was to, a result that leaves both sides frustrated for, I mean, Sevilla will be overjoyed that they got a point from this, but... The way the game went, the way that Sevilla were dominated, the way that they, I don't know if you could say that they showed no ambition really, but like they, they weren't able to sort of um, impose themselves on the game. That's part of the Sevilla frustration. That's part of what's got the Ramon sanchez piece One on their backs lately. And Then Villarreal, the inability to take their chances to finish out games and to, to take advantage of the good play that they've they've created. So, so yeah, it was a, an incredibly frustrating afternoon for for both teams and both managers, but uh, quite entertaining for both of us.
1: Indeed, yes, uh, a great game to watch uh, for a Sunday afternoon. Uh, let's move on to the, the final couple of games from the top half then. Um, the weekend began on Friday night with uh, Real Sociedad playing Levante. We'll obviously focus a lot more on Levante in part two in the relegation battle, but for La Real... They had a chance to uh, get an early you know, result on the board and put some pressure on their rivals, but they failed to do so, didn't they, losing um, losing to Levante, which means that Athletic then had the chance to depend on themselves to be in the Europa League, given that Villarreal have to play Real Sociedad, if that makes sense. Um, but then Athletic themselves could only draw nil-nil with Valencia. Um, it's the fourth time they've played Valencia this season and they haven't been able to win any of them. Of course, the Copa del Rey semi-finals being uh, the most recent matches. Uh, Rory, any, any reflections from this game? Um, same old story for Athletic, uh, but uh, an inspired Georgian in the Valencian goal. Yeah, it was groundhog day, wasn't it? It was really peak Athletic
2: not being able to score. Uh, and Mamadish really, as you say, he was absolutely phenomenal. It was like a cat in goals for Valencia and he really saved the point for them. But I think it, it speaks to sort of the wider problems at Athletic in terms of goal scoring, in terms of finding that Sort of innate goal scoring touch. Mikel Vesco missed a really good one, a really good opportunity. the Libre hit the post, and Yaki Williams had a couple one on ones. And it's really hard to work out exactly what they do because, as we all know, they can't bring in a goal scorer. So, how do you kind of solve these issues? It's partly a mental thing, and you could do as much psychological work as you want. But if your team is, if you've got a team of players who and you don't have a natural goal scorer in it, You're going to miss more chances than you're going to score and that's ultimately always going to have an effect on the mind as well when you know that you don't have goals puts more pressure on you to score the chances that you do have and uh, so yeah it was it was groundhog day it's probably this kind of thing these kind of draws that's going to prevent them getting into Europe and uh, Valencia are the exact opposite of a team that you want to face if you're athletic because they try to shut off all the space that they have to run into.
1: Absolutely. So a frustrating stalemate for Los Leones. But uh, as we've said, because all the other rivals stumbled too, they're still very much in the race uh, for, for Europe. Uh, only one point behind Villarreal in seventh and only four behind their rivals, uh, La Real. Okay then, so let's round off part one with uh, the reaction from the Binto Marine. Uh, a fantastic uh, game on Saturday evening between Betis and Barca. And for that, Rory, I'm going to hand over to you. And you spoke to Roman, after which... We'll hit the break, but uh, enjoy this and then join us for part
3: two. Daniel Alba, gol, gol. Yes. Tal como venía, con el, Madrid, el exterior Bolivia. de la bota sí, y sí, izquierda, sí, sí, de Bolea, San Bombazzo de Jordi Alba, que da la victoria al Barça si no hay tiempo
2: para... And I'm joined by Román de Arquer. It's been a while since the two of us, at least, have spoken um, on, on the La Liga Lorraine podcast, and it's nice to have sort of a happier event to discuss Barcelona on beat, Real Betis... Two one at the Benito Marine. How
3: are you doing, Roman? Well, I'm happy. Happy with the result. Um, of course, it's it's not a title, but seeing how the season had started for Barcelona, and probably um, even before it started, losing Messi kind of meant that it wasn't going to be an easy transition, you know. So overall, it was a tough battle to get there, but now we've finally qualified for the Champions League, which was essential uh, for for Barcelona. Let's not forget because. We all know the economic situation they're going through and not qualifying for the Champions League would really have meant uh, dire consequences, we could say, for the club's future.
2: Excellent, yeah. And they did get this with a win over fifth place, Real Betis. So they kind of beat out the next contender to to say at least a dramatic late winner from Jordi Alba. How did you kind of view this game on the whole? Because Barcelona weren't perfect. For me, they probably just edged it. I don't know if you saw it the same way.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, it it wasn't a great game, of course, it wasn't a great rival, Uh, sorry, it wasn't a great rival, it was a great rival, I mean, Uh, and it was really tough to to get past Betis, I think it was entertaining for the neutral spectator, because, I mean, both sides had their opportunities, especially the second half, I think, was uh, much more lively and entertaining, Uh, but Barca did struggle a bit, the first half, you know, they were getting there, but they were lacking lacking maybe the last pass, you know, the last... Um, part of the equation to to get that goal, and they were struggling a bit in that sense. Then for example, uh, he was getting there to the to the end of of the of the box, but he was uh, incapable of maybe putting the right cross or getting the right shot. And it happened in general with all the attacking players. So I think in that sense we did struggle. But then in the second half the team. Uh, I think, uh, was a bit more uh, aware of what they had to do to try and go forward and and, and generate those opportunities, and uh, they looked much better, especially after the substitutions towards the end, where the the comeback uh, was uh, completed, you know, with, of course, Ansu Fati scoring again just a few minutes after being on the field, something he's been doing lately after returning from injuries and stuff, so that's that's great to see, and also then Jordi Al with that amazing goal, I think that was a wonderful way to seal the Champions League qualification, you know, for this season, so... Uh, Great news in that sense, but also credit to Betis because they're a great side. They just won the Copa del Rey. They had all that energy because they know they can still make it to the Champions League. It's great to see that uh, both sides are competing at this level.
2: Yeah, and, and you mentioned that Barcelona have made the Champions League. They've sealed it. They've mathematically qualified with their ninth win in their last 10 away games, I think, in La Liga. This was obviously kind of the target for Xavi when he came in how do you kind of assess his work up to date? Because I know a lot of people have been per- perhaps saying that the effect wasn't quite as great as it was when La Chavineta was, was the big deal um, and they've obviously tailed off a little bit in recent weeks. But mm-hmm. if you were to
3: give an overall assessment at this point, how
2: do you feel it's gone, Roman?
3: Honestly, I'm I'm happy. I'm proud of this team. Uh, I think it was, as I said before at the beginning of the pod, it was uh, going to be a very tough season for Barcelona because um, we all knew that, Post Messi era wasn't going to be easy, but people kind of maybe quickly forget about this, you know. It just uh, see the present situation and think, oh, we beat four, we won four zero against Madrid, we beat Sevilla, etc. We should be winning, you know, uh, against the smaller sides, which is true. We should be, but I mean, this happens, and it's not easy to come halfway through a season when the team was ninth, and you know. Uh, ju- um, Qualified to the Champions League after, you know, little by little getting uh, good results. And it wasn't an Im- immediate impact for Xavi because it wasn't it wasn't easy, you know. He had to restructure many things, uh, change players in the lineup, do things differently overall. And and it's also, as I said, it's a tough season. Uh, it's not easy to start winning. I know it's Barcelona and you expect always the best. But as I said, it was not never going to be an easy transition. So for me, Xavi did a great job, you know. He was coming from also league which is completely different to the Spanish league as a, as a manager of course and it's way more competitive here in La Liga it's way tougher uh, the teams are, are even the smaller teams we've seen are, are really hard to beat the Cadiz uh, the Rayo Vallecanos etc they uh, eventually beat us so I mean Uh, I think despite those losses, which of course Barca has to work on, I think the team has been way more competitive uh, against the stronger sides as we've seen uh, against Real Madrid, against Sevilla, against Atletico, etc. So Xavi has managed to maybe uh, make a stronger side when those important teams come to play against you. So for me, it's been a a good season and hopefully the next season will have a proper evaluation of how things go if Xavi of course makes things worse in us in some way then of course we can criticise his job but if things keep improving for me uh, then it'll be good, you'll always have to give uh, managers time you know.
2: Definitely definitely and um, you mentioned sort of Messi going, Griezmann also went and that was a large percentage of Barcelona's goals from last season and so oh, we can't sort of avoid the topic I mean he came on and and the the boy just kind of embodies danger. What, what does he have that everyone else doesn't?
3: I think it's just something, some special thing that some players have, you know, like Messi has, like Ronaldo. And I feel like Ansu possibly has it. But of course, um, to fully develop this this ability or this special spark he has, he needs to play regularly, I think. And hopefully he can overcome this, this serious injury, which has been really annoying, you know, because... Uh, here at Barca we know that he has so much potential he could uh, possibly be our new superstar I'm not going to say Messi because Messi is, is out of this world but he could definitely be a super important player for for our future you know and we really want him to succeed we really want him to to do as best as he can but of course these injuries just kind of uh, aren't helping him not just in terms of not being able to play consistently but if psychologically you know this definitely has to affect him and I think we saw in the first game when he came back uh, the previous week where he wasn't running too fast he was going very cautious you could see he was playing also as a center forward when he usually plays in the wing probably to avoid having to run up and down and not get injured again so um, in this game against Betis He wasn't moving that much either, even though he got the goal and he he took part, you know, in a few plays in attack. But you can tell that he's still a bit worried about, you know, having that same injury again. But it's important that somehow he can overcome that. Like maybe, for example, Dembele, who had so many injuries in the past. And now he seems to have found this this, um, good run of consistency where he's uh, playing often and not getting injured. And hopefully Ansu can find um, that same path. And I mean, as I said, he's going to be crucial for this team if he can uh, keep away from those injuries, and hopefully we'll see much more of this because Ansu is a phenomenal talent, not just for Barca but also for the Spanish national team. He's 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 great.
2: Very true, very true. You mentioned Dembélé there. He's one of the sort of um, big uncertainties for Barcelona this summer. He's still not renewed his contract. Um, but it does seem as if there's been kind of a turn there seems to be a willingness from both parties to sit down and talk at the very least mm-hmm. and a lot of Barcelona fans have been worn round by his recent performances this was one of those games where the decision making uh, and the final ball was was missing mm-hmm. Roman, where do you stand on the big Dembele question?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to see how people maybe a few months back didn't want to know anything about Dembele after he, he didn't renew for Barca and now suddenly again Uh, There's a lot of talk in terms of him continuing. I would only renew him if it were to sell him at a more expensive price, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, I I just don't see Dembele continuing at Barcelona. He's been, what, five years at the club? uh, And he's really done nothing. I mean, he's he's a great player. He has a lot of talent. But as you said, his decision-making is just... Awful. And for example, in my personal opinion, he just stresses me out a lot. You know, <laughs> when you see that he has so much space, he has a good pass, or you know, a good opportunity, and he just makes a different decision, and and it goes all wrong. And I know it's not easy to play in the field that you see things differently than from the TV, of course but dembele really really has to improve on that decision making he has been assisting a lot to be fair in this second half of, of the, the league i mean in that sense he's been good he's been providing but maybe uh, if he has the potential of generating 10 great opportunities he might make the most of one maybe two and all the other 8 or 9 opportunities just you know go to the trash so in that sense i just don't think he's that important to the team, uh, unless he's going to renew for like a really extremely low price, and you can have him there, and, and you know he's going to be reliable. Then okay, but I just don't think he deserves it. You know his attitude uh, towards the club in this last five years hasn't been good at all. It's true that he has improved his motivation and that attitude in the last uh, so months since Chabi was on on board. I mean that's true. We have to give him credit for that, for uh, maybe changing in that sense, but we can't forget the past and honestly I just don't see him being a key player in the future
2: Roman has been burnt one too many times by Dembélé by the sounds of it (laughs) exactly Um, I will wrap it up there thank you very much for your time Roman thank you for having me
1: Welcome back to part two of La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 35 recap and we're now going to turn our attention to the bottom half where it's all getting very tense and dramatic. Not least at the visit Mallorca Estadi on Saturday lunchtime. It was a raucous atmosphere, full house. Plenty of Granada fans made the trip to the island and it was a real six-pointer between Mallorca and Granada and it was an incredible result. 6-2 to Granada and uh well, we've got Paul McGarry on the show this week. Before knowing the results, uh, of course, he's pretty dejected. But uh, he gave us his take on the game, nonetheless. Over to you, Rory.
3: Ojo el robo de balón del Granada. Molina dentro
0: del área. Molina chuta gol,
3: gol, 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 gol.
0: Juego set partido. Goleada escandalosa. Oh. Del Granada en Mallorca, para salir del descenso, el Granada se aferra primera. el Granada se agarra la vida, el sexto.
2: I'm joined by Paul McGaragy of Over the Bar, he's uh, he's had a tough week in football, he's a Manchester City fan as well as a Mallorca fan and uh, let's just say that things haven't gone too well after the Islanders were beaten 6-2 by Granada, so um, yeah we're, we're kind of sorry to do this to you to Paul how are you getting on I'm, I'm doing all right in the circumstances I'm hanging in there for <laughs> fingers crossed it's a uh, it's yeah football can can be great but it can also uh, ruin your week and um, so to speak on to the kind of game yesterday with Sunday as we're speaking Mallorca. they sort of looked like they were going to get back into it twice but ended up losing 6-2 how did you kind of View the match, and what did you make of it? Where did it all go so wrong?
4: Um, well, for me, I think it felt like a game where Mallorca, you could say, bottled it. But I wasn't really convinced by the starting eleven when I saw it. To tell you the truth, um, seeing Abdón Prats and uh, Mariki up front together, I thought there's not really much mobility there, and maybe you want to go with with a physical presence. So, but you trust the manager, don't you? You have to trust the manager in the circumstances. He sees the squad day in, day out. For me though, it was a case of, um, I don't know if the, maybe the occasion was um, above some of the personalities in the in the squad, um, but it was a pretty dreadful start. Picked up a little bit for a brief spell, and then got much worse <laughs> as the day went on.
2: Yeah, no, I thought they were. I thought they were going to be a lot more solid in this match. I have to say, which is uh, not saying a great deal, but. Javier Aguirre came out after the match and he said, so all I can do is ask for, for the apologies of the fans. Pablo Maffeo looked pretty distraught after the match, did the same thing. What have you kind of made of Aguirre so far? Because we know he's kind of a firefighter. He comes in towards the end of the season and he solidifies teams. I'd been sort of fairly not impressed, but I I, I thought he was doing a decent enough job before this match. Where do you kind of fall on
4: him so far? Um... To be honest with you I wasn't overly convinced when when we appointed him um i I felt like he was given a difficult hand previously at legonez with you know um, the way the the transfer window or the the squad was stripped during his period there um so I felt like well even though I've never really been convinced of his style, you've got to give everybody a an opportunity um but for me. I was prepared to accept a nutritional game of football. Maybe, um, you know, New York could be more difficult to break down. We might score less, but surely we would concede less. And um, and I found him to be quite an infuriating um, manager. If I'm being honest, uh, I don't think there's a. It seems a bit more like a kitchen sink type approach that we've got, particularly yesterday, and obviously it didn't go. It didn't go anywhere near as well as the anyone would have hoped for. So. Yeah, he's quite amusing in press conferences, but I would rather see something on the pitch. and And I'm not, I'm i think I'm in the ma- in the minority to be honest with you. Um from speaking to other Mallorca fans, um, I'm just not convinced by him. I I think he's been quite. A, it's only been a handful of games, but I I just think it's a terrible appointment. And so, I wouldn't be too upset if after this brief spell, he uh he moves on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're perfectly entitled to your opinion, and we were obviously.
2: Speaking to you, because you kind of have an, an inside view of it, and obviously the big question is, can they stay up? They're now in the relegation zone at 18th they're two points off safety after Carith got out yesterday. What kind of chances do you give them with three games
4: to go? There <laughs> are Virtually no chances, if I'm being honest with you at the moment. Um, I think the lack of character in the performance yesterday, the lack of... Um, I mean, there was perhaps when Antonio Rayo scored the second goal and you thought, well, it's it's 3-2, maybe there's a bit of a fight. Other than that, there just didn't seem to be any real um, personality. And that's one of the biggest things you need when you're fighting out the bottom. And, you know, the season peaked with an away win at Atletico Madrid. Uh, was it December? I think it was now, wasn't it? Or oh, the first week of January. My mind's sort of uh, gone a bit blank after that. It's all into one. Yeah, yeah. So um since then it's kind of been a case of just a, a downward spiral and, and so no I I don't I, everything sort of came down to the game against Granada at home and the truth be told, Mallorca didn't turn up personality wise, tactically it was atrocious. So uh no chance in the in the remaining fixtures unfortunately.
2: So we will be sad to see Mallorca go if they do end up going down, but fingers crossed for you. I hope they do make it out because um, not only are, are they one of sort of the, the more fun teams in La Liga, but um, a great away day. <laughs> um, I will wrap it up there, but thank you very much for your
1: time, Paul.
4: Oh, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure.
1: Yes, as you can see there, Paul, pretty dejected after that Mallorca defeat, a very damaging one for them. But they're not out of it. There's still, still three games to go. Anything can still happen. Rory, but what about Granada? An incredible start for Ita Kodanka. Point at the Metropolitano. Late draw in, in the first home game. And then this incredible result at Mallorca. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to sum this one up, to
2: be honest. Because I think, to a certain extent, this was almost a consequence of them just being so very clinical. Because they opened the score sort of, in the opening minutes. And... Uh, Mallorca kind of came back into it they obviously got the Salva Sevilla goal and, and as they're going into half time you'd have said that Mallorca were probably the better side then Granada come back out they score immediately after the half and from that point on Mallorca are kind of coming at Granada which to be fair is exactly what you want and credit to them for, for sort of showing those, that, that ambition at the start of both halves and for going forward for trying to get those goals but Mallorca are not a team that's set up to, to sort of press you and to play a high line, certainly not Javier Aguide's Mallorca. And and as a result I think Granada took took advantage of it. And Jorge Molina, I mean I'll I'll let you get onto him later on because um you're a big um if Jorge Molina is a fine wine then then Matt is um a big fan of the vintage. So um so yeah I'll, I'll let you come on to that later but yeah i think to an extent they just use the space very well and we know this granada team has a lot of quality we know that they have good attacking players and so when they do on the occasion that they do have space when the occasion that they're not having to sort of run the game to a certain extent because they're not behind or, or they're not in sort of a tighter game then that kind of benefits them and i think we saw that and they were they were very clinical i, I thought that Um, Sergio Escudero has been very good for them in recent weeks and he showed that again today I thought he was good Antonio Puertas was he's a clever player and I thought he was at his best again in this match and uh, yeah full credit to Granada and Aitor Kodanka for getting a result that absolutely nobody saw coming
1: Indeed indeed Mallorca have been so strong at home they've won both their games at home under Aguirre and Granada have been you know pretty pretty hit and miss kind of everywhere all season so given that uh, Granada started the day in the bottom three it was kind of the onus was on them to make the running and, and they sure did that didn't they uh, so, so even with that result Mallorca was still outside of the drop zone but then of course later in the day Cadiz they won 3-0 against Elche um, all three goals coming very late in the game but uh, again Sergio has done quite surprisingly well there hasn't he? Oof, I, I have to take a loss here I completely misjudged Sergio
2: and I completely misjudged what would happen with Cardiff. and fair enough to him for proving me and, and quite a few others I have to say as well wrong because he's been absolutely fantastic once, since he came in. I think for a lot of us we expected more of kind of his via side and to a certain extent they played in, in a similar way at times but also they've shown a lot more ambition than many of us expected from Sergio. I I watched the second half of this, and I saw Cardiff penning Elche in for the entire second half. They were keeping the ball well. They were pressing high. They were all over them, and went, it took them a while to get the goal. and Negredo eventually gets it, but they fully deserved that lead. They fully deserved their their victory in this match. And okay, it's a slightly understrength Elche. They're missing a few players, and they've they've not got too much to play for, but. Cadiz, Thunder, Sergio have been an absolute breath of fresh air. For me, they're the best team in the bottom half of the division at the minute. And, and yeah, I really, I, I can't say enough about how good they've been. And considering this run that they've been on, where they've been playing pretty much exclusively top half sides in the last six or seven matches, to come out of that and still be in with a shot. Chapeau, hats off, um, flowers at his feet. Sergio, you've done an absolutely fantastic job.
1: You heard it here first. Rory has apologized to Sergio. And uh, he'll be wearing his his Cadiz hat uh, (laughs) wherever he goes from now on. Uh, So that result brought Cadiz out of the bottom three at Mallorca's expense. So yeah, Saturday was a truly awful day for Mallorca. But there's still a couple more teams we haven't mentioned. On Friday night, Levante, they won again against Real Sociedad. They just never give up. They were bottom going into this round of fixtures, but they won again. And we have to ask, can they? We saw a fabulous <laughs> meme from Paco with a kind of the dead frog laying on the ground, but he's got his oxygen mask there. He's he's still clinging to life. Um, what are they now? 29 points, five off Granada uh, in 17th. Nine points to play for. It's possible, isn't it? It's possible. It's possible. You'd
2: never want to say never. I still think it's maybe a game or two too far for Levante. Um, they, I think they play Real Madrid in midweek, which which really doesn't help their chances. But but yeah, you've got to give them credit for keeping on fighting because it really looked as if they were gone quite some time ago. Liskey, I think, has shown some some sort of uh, not not only good sort of group management and good sort of uh, mental management of the Levante squad in that situation, but some good. He's built this Levante team into a much better outfit than they were when he took over. They obviously concede a lot of goals, and part of that is because they don't have great defenders like let's be brutally honest about this they aren't the best defense in the league in terms of actual quality itself but Lisky has managed to get something out of them he's, he's got Morales back firing at his absolute best in, in recent months and uh, yeah as much as I don't think they'll do it I wouldn't want to bet against uh, Jose Luis Morales on, on on fire because he can can cause trouble
1: for anyone. I mean, if there's anyone that can go to the Bernabeu in midweek, when Real Madrid are kind of, again, not really thinking too much about the results, it's it's El Comandante. And, yeah, the fans at the end of that game believed it was a late penalty from uh, Melero to seal the victory after David Silva had equalised for Real Sociedad. Um, the fans were jubilant. Si se puede was ringing around the Ciudad de Valencia. They they genuinely believe it's possible. So I think a lot of neutrals would really want to see Levante stay up, more than anyone perhaps in that bottom scrap. Um, just because of the way they play their football, the goals they score, the excitement they bring, and the way they stand up to the big teams. And you know, they've already taken points off Real Madrid this season, so it could happen again. It could happen again. But uh, the team that now occupy the bottom of La Liga is Deportivo Alaves. Uh, again, they've had a little upturn since they appointed Julio Velazquez. They won both their home games under him. But this fixture was away at Balaidos, and it's safe to say they didn't have a sniff in this one. Um, a pretty remarkably impressive performance from Celta, one that we want to see far more of. Denis Suarez, phenomenal. Iago Aspas, superlative.
2: Um, I, I have to say, Denis Suarez's go- assist for the second goal is absolute magic. And you can see why he spent the first kind of few years of his career at Manchester City in Barcelona, because he has that eye for a pass. He has that sort of incisive, smooth football in him. Um and, and yeah, Celta if you get them on a on one of their good days, they're trouble for anyone. And for an Alaves side that have won just one away from home, you can seed early, it was just never gonna work out for them to be to be perfectly honest. And uh yeah, I if if I don't think Levante can do it, well then I'm ninety nine point nine 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 percent certain that Alaves can't
1: you put putting a fork in and then...
2: Yep, they are they're done. They're second division for me. Um, and it's a shame because I've been to Mendy-Solov there. I, I absolutely love it there. I think Victoria is a lovely place. Great people. Great addition to La Liga. But I think if you look at the sporting management of this team and, and the way that they've gone about their, their survival attempts in the last two, three seasons, this was always going to come to a team that sacks two free
1: managers a season. Yeah, I remember our our Christmas break was interspersed with us messaging, saying, why have they sacked Javier Kayeca? Are they mad? Um, They are bottom. They are currently on 28 points, uh, six off safety with obviously only nine to play for. Uh, They lose the goal average with Granada too. So if Alaves lose on Wednesday night against Espanyol at home, they will be relegated. Um, That is the situation for them. It is absolutely last chance saloon for them. Um, and even, even then, it, it does feel like a stay of execution for sure. Uh, so let's just quickly wrap up the last couple of fixtures we haven't yet touched on. Uh, Getafe hosted the Raya Vallecano in the, uh, the Madrid derby that everyone was really wanting to talk about. Um, pasio or no pasio. <laughs> uh, Getafe <laughs> nil, Rayo nil was, was the result. So not too much to talk about here other than Kike sanchez Flores has lost his beard. Uh, well, he hasn't lost it. He's, he's decided to, to dismiss it. <laughs> and um, As far as we know. And, well, yeah, I don't think it's just, you know, <laughs> misplaced it next to his keys or something. Um, and, and Rayo, congratulations to them. Uh, you know, you, you, you've taken a loss. I think I'm going to admit myself, I was totally wrong. I had, I had Rayo to go down. I think, to be fair, most people did. But what a job they have done in securing uh, Primera status for another season. They are officially safe with this point. So congratulations to them. Vallecas es de Primera. Uh, and finally, Espanyol won, Osasuna won, was the, the other game on Sunday afternoon evening. Ante Budemir didn't score, but um, Osasuna took the lead away from home, as they've tended to do quite a lot this season. But Espanyol did come back through uh, uh, Nico Melamed. So uh, a decent point for them. They're not quite safe yet, but in a pretty pretty decent position just behind Rayo. So it shouldn't be too long for Espanyol. Two and finishes as well. That's my that's my interjection on that game. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Kike Barca and uh, and Nico there. So that wraps up the uh, the matches in in La Liga. Of course, there's plenty more to come in midweek. But we're not done here yet. We'll have our MVP and our moments of the weekend to come. It's that time, listeners. It's MVP time. Um, I'll kick us off this week. There's only one man that I think should win this week and that is man mountain Jorge Molina. I mean, how do you even describe a performance like this? He comes on in the second half as a substitute for the injured Luis Suárez, who had already put in a good performance himself. And he just comes on and says "Everyone, to everyone, look guys, I am the don here. I am the master. The assist for Puertas for a start is fantastic. He drives down the left wing, defying his age, crosses the ball. Fantastic finish by Puertas. Uh, then he scores himself. Uh, then he basically sets up uh, Uzuni for his first goal uh, in a Granada shirt. Doesn't technically count as his assist because the defender gets in the way, but that's a technicality. And then he wraps it all up with another fantastic goal. And he scored five goals against Mallorca this season: a hat trick in the first round, and and two again in this emphatic win. He's the second oldest goalscorer in La Liga history behind Donato. You know, I mean, Granada tweeted it after the game, probably more in uh, jest than anything, but they said. Uh, you know, at Luis Enrique, and uh, with a picture of Jorge Molina celebrating, I mean, why not? Toma Lucho, why not? Jorge Molina the guitar. that's what I'm calling. Rory, <laughs> who's your MVP?
2: Yeah, well, speaking of getting to 10, I'm going to go with Jordi Alba, who made 10 assists this weekend. That is his record in La Liga. The last time that he, well, the only other time that he managed that was the 2018-19 season. And when you take into account the fact that he's no longer passing to Lionel Messi, and the considerable amount of opportunities that Barcelona tend to waste, it's pretty good going for him. I, I have to say, I think that, that's a pretty impressive total. It takes him to third in the league for assists. So only Benzema and Dembélé have more than him. He also scored a hell of a goal in this match. <laughs> uh, Danny Alves crosses it to him. And, uh, I mean, it was the same connection that we saw at Camp Nou. It was uh, in the Camp Nou match. He scored against Atleti. Alves hung a ball Oh, he there again. I hung a ball up to the back post, and in that game, uh, the ball was sort of hanging mid-suspense. I think everyone kind of stopped and waited for the ball to drop, and uh, we were all like, don't hit it. Well, certainly I was, <laughs> don't hit it. Um, but this time against Betis, so it was set up perfectly for him, and he couldn't have struck it any sweeter. Um, a goal and assist for Jordi Alba got the assist for Ansu Fati's goal as well. And, uh, and yeah, you have to say that he's been a key part of them getting Champions League. As much as as he's kind of a, a villain of Spanish football, he's also one of the best left-backs that's been around in the last 10 years. So yeah, credit to him this week. And uh, I think he deserves this Champions League place as much as anyone in the Barcelona
1: squad. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, been fantastic for them in recent weeks, especially. I'm going to go for another Spaniard, but this one probably won't be in Luis Enrique's World Cup squad, even though he probably should be. It's Iago Aspas. <laughs> He got on the end of this, fan you mentioned the Denis Suarez pass. He got on the end of that and smashed it in at the near post. But the second goal is the one I want to talk about. He's got a free kick on the edge of the box. He's already been brought down to provoke the red card for Chimo Navarro. Um, and we all know Iago Aspas can hit them, especially you being a Barca fan. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, he hits it pretty strong, but it's straight into the wall. And he's thinking, oh, he's missed that. But then it comes back to him, and he pretty much, on a half volley, just smashes it straight in. And and Danny, uh, Fernando Pacheco in, in goal, he just doesn't know where to look. He can't believe it. He's been beaten by effectively a one-two off the wall, Thiago Aspas. Um, and yeah, he's in that Aspas mode where everything he does is perfect and brilliant. And even when he makes that initial error, he turns it into something brilliant. And uh, he's just magical to watch. And Celta are so lucky to have him. As as everyone knows, he's he's on seven well sixteen or seventeen goals in La Liga this season, depending on, on whether you give Puebtas the own goal last week. Uh, but he is top of the Zara charts, ahead of rather Tomas, ahead of Juanmi, uh, ahead of plenty of others. So um, he'll be a very worthy recipient of that if he, if he holds out in the final few weeks. Um, and yeah, I just, I'd just i love him. So he's, he's my MVP <laughs> pick here. <laughs> Rory, he's round us off with your, with your second pick.
2: Yeah, well, you asked me earlier, how do you explain the fact that Villarreal only got a point against Sevilla? Well, if 50% of it was divine intervention, then the other 50% of it was Yassine Bono. Um, he was absolutely sensational, especially in the first half. There's two really good saves from headers from Juan Foyt and Torres, kind of close range from, from set pieces. They were remarkable on their own. And then he comes up with an incredible save against Giovanni themselves so the ball, kind of drops in the box, and it's kind of bouncing around there, and Bono, sort of almost video game like sort of uh, he kind of makes up five yards in the space of half a second almost it's incredible how quickly he gets out then he gets his hand out to stop the volley from the shell and in the second half he made some really good saves as well and I I just I I think he's been magnificent for them and this match really kind of illustrated it I, I tweeted out earlier that there's there's a Discussion. I think maybe Courtois still just shades it, but there's a discussion to be had about whether he's been the best goalkeeper in La Liga and he was absolutely fantastic. Even on the goal, he's in there kind of challenging for the header just before Rafa Mir wins it, before Koundé pokes it home and without his presence, maybe Mir doesn't win that header. So, distracting the defenders. But yeah, Bono is my second choice for MVP. And uh, We're going to move on
1: to moments of the week now, I believe, Matt what are you going for? Indeed. Well, you come to a Friday and you think, you're looking ahead to the La Liga weekend and you're thinking, you know, what's going to happen? What 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 kind of storylines are we going to be talking about on a Sunday night? And of course, the Madrid derby dominated all the pre-match, the pre uh, you know, the midweek discussions, uh, pasillo, no pasillo, all this kind of frankly ridiculous talk uh, in the Spanish media. Um, and then you watch a game like Levante del Sociedad and you're just refreshed again because you just, this is Fantastic football to watch. This is why we love La Liga and Levante. They took the lead of course They were pegged back you think oh, okay, that's the chance gone, but then to win it Late 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 on to to maintain the belief. I mean Malero's celebration nearly ripped his own shirt off That's how much you meant to them. Uh, yeah, to see the reaction of the crowd everything It's um, just, just an incredible uh, moment really um, and Gives them a fighting chance like we've said so for me for me, that's the moment of the weekend uh, coming pretty early but um, You've gone for something slightly different and slightly more comical.
2: Yeah, well, well, I've um, resisted the temptation to go for Shorty Alba's late winner. Um, And, uh, yeah, I've gone with the moment that epitomises Cadiz. The second goal for Cadiz, it's a clearance up into, high into the air, and it sort of drops, and you can see it's dropping in between the defence and the goalkeeper, Edgar who's who's in the Elche goal. And Ruben Sobrino sprints from midfield, almost from the halfway line. He passes, I think it's five Elche players on the way to this ball accounted. Beats Edgar Barria to the ball, Who who's slow. It's an error from him, let's not beat about the bush. But beats Edgar Barria to the ball in the air, heads it over him and, and then has a tap in. And, and yeah, it, it was just, it shows the kind of desire and the willingness to put in those extra yards to to make the difference in the margins through effort that caddy have have really sort of gained points from and and how they've lived their kind of whole time in la liga since they came back up really but this ruben sabrino again we, we know he's not the most talented player in the world technically gifted but he may, more more makes up for that with hard work and he got got reward for it in this one so uh, so yeah that's my moment of the
1: week yeah, uh, a very good one to choose too. There were plenty of them this weekend. We, we could have had a completely different set, but uh, happy with the ones we've gone for there. Well, that just about wraps it up for us this uh, this weekend. Thank you very much, Rory, really, for your contributions. Thanks as well to Paul McGarrigy and to Romain D'Arcaire for their insights earlier on. We've got another round of fixtures coming thick and fast. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in La Liga. We could have the top four completely sealed. We could have one relegation place decided, or we could have everything still on the line going into the next weekend. So, plenty of drama ahead, I'm sure. Please stick with us on La Liga Lowdown for your coverage. Check out our website, laligalowdown.com, uh, for our latest content there. Or have got a couple of pieces on there. Recently, I think uh, Barcelona one comes to mind, doesn't it? Yeah, there was a Busquets one. Um, bit of a weird trip down memory lane, but um, worth it in my view. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely worth it. Um, listener, definitely worth it. Um, So, yes, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, We hope you join us again in midweek for Matchday 36 recap, but but for this one, for 35, that is all we have time for. Thank you for listening. Uh, Vamos, La Liga.
3: Vamos, La (rochran) Liga. habilitar
2: a
1: no volía mirar Morales, no volía mirar Dani Cárdenas.